Support for the Calcio Connection podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. They are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Friends, Manscaped is taking over the world. They're now available in all of Europe, all of Canada, all of Australia and New Zealand, in addition, of course, to the United States. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. So join the movement for all of your below-the-waist grooming needs. So Europe and Australia, guys, are about to get a lot less hairy. That's right, folks. If you live in the EU, you can now purchase Manscaped products. If you live there, you have gone years without using the right tools for the job. Like, I feel so blessed that I have had these tools available to me. You guys now all have it available to you. I used to use, or at least try to use, the same trimmer that I use on my head and on my beard on the peninsula south of the equator and Jerry, as we know, if you're using a piece of equipment that's not made for that particular equipment down below, you could talk about some injuries. Like you, you could talk about some cuts when you don't have the ceramic blade. Things got very ugly for me at one point, Jerry. I was bleeding all over the place before I had manscape. <laughs> oh, bloody day get. <laughs> Bloody man! I'll tell you, I I like uh, I because it was my balls. Like I thought about calling nine one one because I was like I was really worried because I'm like the last thing I want is to bleed to death from my nutsack. Like I didn't want to be in the newspaper for that, you know. Like I didn't want to I, I didn't want to be on the internet, right? This was around. This must have been like twenty two thousand nine, maybe two thousand ten. I didn't want to like turn up on freaking TMZ or something like this. This guy died from from trying to shave his nutsack. Like I I didn't want that to be me. And so I learned my lesson, man. You can't use that equipment down there. That is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and they just released a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. This is the third generation trimmer that features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery is going to last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. I don't know who's hairy enough to need 90 full minutes, but just in case, you've got that option. Jerry, you might be. I figure you're covered like a like a grizzly bear. You, you might need 90 minutes. I need more than 90 minutes. Freaking one time it took me two days. <laughs> you've got that on almost one full charge from Manscaped. And it's also waterproof. The waterproof technology allows you to groom even in the shower. One of the coolest features that I love on this thing is the LED light. It's like a spotlight. It illuminates the grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with what they call, this is trademarked, quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. You can show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is convenient charging dock powered by USB. So if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping. We got a hookup. If you use our code, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with our code CALCHO. It's the word CALCHO, C-A-L-C-I-O. You type in our code word at manscaped.com. You can get 20% off and free shipping with our code CALCHO. 
at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use our code CALCHO and your balls will thank you. Welcome to another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you Italian fans from all over the world. Match day 23 is in the bag, and we have a fantastic episode for all of you. I am your host, Rui Pereira Jr., filling in for the man, the myth, the legend that is Alex Dono. And with me, chopping it up about match day 23 is the man with a thousand stories, Jerry Mancini. How are you, brother? I'm fantastic. For you, those who are wondering where, why, where the heck Alex is, he is currently manscaping. And <laughs> while he is manscaping, in one hand, he's got his manscape. In the other hand, he has his Nutella sandwich. Yes, I have converted Alex into the manscape Nutella man where he's able to manscape and Nutella at the same time. Not very could actually probably accomplish this, shaving their man cave at the bottom. If you guys know <laughs> about our promotion, Password Calcio. But um, yes, he is manscaping with Nutella right now, and he's probably going to dip his manscape into his Nutella too. But that yeah. is... That it's is a- it's all it's all fitting too because he received his uh, new lawnmower on the same day that uh, Inter won the Derby della Madonnina. Yes. <laughs> so he's uh, he's celebrating extra. Obviously, he would be on the show, and you know it, it was a double win for him. So he's out there somewhere in a yacht on the coast of uh, Florida, enjoying himself. I'm sure. But Jerry. I mean, what an episode for Alex to not be on the show, me being a Milanista, uh, for those of you that remember me being on the show in the past. Uh, it was a bad game for us. It was not good, and it's surprising that Alex wasn't able to make it onto the show to rub it in my face and rub it into all the Milanisti out there. Uh, but, yeah, let, let's start off over there, Jerry, if, if we should. Enter three, Milan, zero. Uh, your thoughts and takes on this game? I never seen Alessio Romagnoli get bossed in the back end like he did in this match here. Um, the week before, Marco Parolo was the guy who a lot of people were insulting, but he's actually not a natural center back. Now you got Alessio Romagnoli, Romagnoli, who is an actual center back and got bossed against Lukaku. Um, it's not just the speed and the physicality that made Lukaku very efficient and effective against him. I think the fact that Romagnoli has lost that step for his positioning. Um, there was one sequence in the first half where he mistimed his challenge on him, and Lukaku had a, a golden opportunity to score where he didn't capitalize. Um, I don't know if it's the injury since coming back from his injury, if he hasn't been the same. Um, or the fact that just being with with Milan for so long, and a similar instance is Matteo Musacchio. A lot of people were laughing at me when I actually praised about this signing and, and saying that this is a good signing for Lazio. Very cheap, uh, low risk, and maybe Romagnoli is in the same scenario where Musacchio gets a new scenery and he's looked good in his first three appearances for Lazio, 
Um, with Milan, maybe his time has come. I, I believe his contract is up after next season. And Milan's probably considering maybe to sell him this summer instead of resigning him because you don't want to lose him for nothing. I think that a guy like Romagnoli, you can sell at this current po- at this current moment and, and make something off of him, especially in the situation that Milan is in and the financial needs that they need that the the money that they need. I think selling like a guy like Romagnoli may may be beneficial. Yeah. Um. You got a guy like Tamori who can slide in now and play in that role. And he's got so, that pace. Yeah. Exactly. So you pick up the option for <clears throat> Tamori, which is not bad. Which is what twenty five or twenty eight million around there, yeah. and you and you can probably make something off from Romagnoli. So, I thought he was very poor. Um, just Salamakers, I'm not a big fan of him. I, I I don't think he has a spot in this team for the future. Maybe he's now, but next year I don't yeah. see him playing down that wing. Um, Zlatan, we we talked off air. Yes, he's your he was your best player, but at the same time, I feel like your best player needs to also deliver in key moments. Um, you know what? With Handanovic, he he turned back the time. I'm not convinced on him still. I think he had a really good performance, but yeah. this guy hasn't been consistent this year. I, I think that he just showed up at the right time, in the right place, in an important game, and extra motivation for this guy and. He he. If it wasn't for him in the second half, it, we could be talking about a different game, where yep. Milan all of a sudden are, are in the driver's seat and enters on the on the back end, saying, "Okay, what do we do now?" Then it was the same situation as if with Lazio, where they scored that quick goal, was two one, and Lazio didn't approach it. They they, they uh, Immobile loses a chance, the counterattack happens, and who scores the the insurance goal, Lukaku. Yeah. I think Lukaku scored the insurance goal yesterday or, or was it, uh, no, I think it was Lautaro Martinez, no? No, it was uh, Lukaku, Lukaku, Lukaku scored that. Uh, yeah, Lautaro scored the second. second um, Lukaku put basically the dagger right in the heart. And um, I, I, I really like your points on, on Romagnoli. I totally agree with the positioning this season. I think over the last couple of years, especially two years ago, he was really sensational. But it seems like he's been losing his form. And it could be playing at Milan for so long and not playing around good top quality players. Like, for example, if he were to be playing at Manchester City where he's playing against a you know, uh, practicing with so many great talented players that will enhance his game at Milan. It's like the same thing. And it's so hard to really improve and elevate your game when you're not playing and practicing with the best players in the world. I think that's becoming a problem, or maybe it's just a bad year. There could be a different, uh, so many different reasons as to why Romagnoli hasn't been himself. You mentioned the injury as well, that sometimes injuries take tolls on players. Um, yeah, Handanovic, man, wow, that was, uh, he definitely turned the, the, the clocks back on that one. And he reminds me really of, of Iker Casillas when he was on Porto. As you guys can see, those that are watching on, on YouTube, I have my Porto wallpaper and Porto jersey on. Uh, I am also a Porto fan. And yeah, Casillas was inconsistent when he arrived at Porto, but it was these key saves where he looked like 
prime Casillas that saved Porto and eventually led them to championship to a championship. And I think that's something that Handanovic did. I think it's, it's resembling the same exact thing. And sure, he's le- he's lost a step. He's lost uh, pace and his reaction time. And you know he's getting older. It's natural, but the experience is there. His understanding of the game is there. The, the 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 sense and the positioning, he knows where to be. And with time, I see, I feel that goalkeepers get better with that. And sometimes it can make up and compensate for the lack of pace, the lack of reaction time. And that was totally there. His experience showed up. And you know what? If Inter win the Scudetto by just a couple of points or whatever it is, we're going to look back at this derby game and it's it's going to come down to that save Handanovic made. Well, not just a save, three saves in a matter of like two minutes, which were were, were so crucial. And who knows what would have happened if Ibrahimovic actually scored one of those headers that he had. So uh, incredible performance from from Inter. And, you know, them on the counterattack, you have to be sharp when you're playing against Inter. You have to capitalize on your opportunities because they will make you pay. You know, the last 10 minutes, 12 minutes into the uh, of the first half and then the first 10 minutes of the second half, Milan were on fire. They were pushing. They were pushing it. It looked like they were going to score. They had the opportunities. They didn't. And then once Inter had the opportunity to go down the field, you know, it's all day for them. And they, we've seen it time, time in and time out, you know, throughout this entire season, they will make you pay. And that counterattack with Lukaku, Lautaro, and even Ericsson transitioning, it's it, it's sensational. They have a great, great team, and you have to you have to take advantage when you play against Inter. But um, but yeah, your opinions though on 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 Inter, Jerry. We talked about Milan. Romagnoli was a huge problem. Ibrahimovic didn't capitalize on the opportunities. But let's look at Inter. I'm looking at I'm looking at the the transition, the the transformation of Ericsson since the last. Uh, derby match in the Coppa Italia, and then uh, Barella, who's been absolutely sensational. So many other players. Perisic yesterday was so was so good. Looked like prime Perisic. What are your thoughts on on Inter overall? Um, you know what? I, I you you banged it on the nail. It's Perisic who stood out the most to me. It wasn't Eriksson, and it wasn't Barella. You know what you're gonna get with Nicolo Barella? Um, consistent. He, once again, dominant in the midfield, um, won challenges, made key passes. But it's it's the transition of Ivan Perisic, who is not a natural wingback, but is starting to look like one. And last season, he was never in the plans of Antonio Conte. Immediately was shipped out to Bayern Munich on loan for a year. And I think he had an option. They had an option to pick him up, and they didn't do it. They declined it, came back to Inter, and this season he goes, okay, I'm going to take him back into my lineup, and I'm going to use him. And what he has done with Perisic is unbelievable. He has made him a believer, a very confident player, and and I think the biggest aspect of Perisic's game is his ability to make crosses into the box. I think Throughout the whole game yesterday, he made efficient crosses that were creating problems for um, for Milan's back end. And even if they didn't get into the box, they were just chances that were created. 
and even his long ball passes were effective. He was six for eight yesterday, and that's pretty pretty dynamic for a guy who probably wasn't that efficient and effective in seasons prior with Inter, prior to Conte joining or whatever the case may be. But and the one person who deserves a lot of respect and appreciation is Antonio Conte, because. Here's the thing. This guy's been crapped on for not winning anything. And, yeah, okay, I get it. He has the talent in his team. He has the players. He has the depth. But it doesn't take overnight to to just win championships. Juventus are able to continue to win up until last season because there's continuity. There was a foundation that was already in place. They had, even if a manager had came in, the personnel in that squad was good enough to have ready win because there weren't new pieces that had to be added in. With Inter, with the whole FFP that they went through a period where there was a lot of uh, turmoil and then new ownership and then Conte coming in after... Um, Spalletti. Spalletti, thank you. And and now that the blueprint is starting to be into effective and it's starting to, to finally come into shape, we're starting to see what Inter really looks like. And another player who I thought had a really good game yesterday was Milan Skriniar once again. He followed up with another impressive performance. Now, the back end has always been dependent on Stefan de Vrij. Um, I don't think this is the lead guy this season. I think Milan Skriniar has been the, the better player. And accepting to play in a back three, taking on a bigger role, and... Aside from his defensive capabilities, it's even his long ball passes. Another player that can move the ball efficiently out from the back end. Another here, here are some stats: five for six in long ball passes. His pass accuracy rate was ninety-five point two percent, which ranked first in the team among starters. And aside from Vidal and Darmian, he was first. In, in pass accuracy rate. I think yeah. that's something that shows his ability of moving the ball from the back end. And here's some uh, defensive stats he had. Six clearances, two interceptions, and one tackle. Yeah. He is not looking like the player where he was nervous, didn't know what decision to make, always hesitant, <laughs> being more hesitant. He looks more firm, more composed, more calm in that back end when he... When he moves the ball out. And for me, this is a player who has really transitioned, has really matured as a player, and has accepted his role under Conte. And I'll, I'll go to my next point now. What does this mean? Eriksen is going into the same direction as Skriniar and Perisic have. Two yeah. players who are in similar roles where they adapted to new positions, to new responsibilities. And Eriksen's now playing that Regista that Regista yeah. kind of role where he's playing more deeper, but yeah. he's allowed to still play a little high and he looks confident. He's making yeah. good challenges, good passes, he looks a little creative. And that, that this is where I think that Conte and Erickson weren't on the same page. Erickson wanted to play that attack minded kind of role in the midfield. Whereas Conte seen him as a different type of player in his system, having Brozovic, having Barella, these kind of players who are also attack-minded. And so 
Erickson has has really accepted his new role. I I would say in part because he knew that had he not taken this responsibility and didn't see eye to eye with his manager, he'd probably be sitting on the bench for another six more months. So he probably took some response, like he took ownership and said, okay, I need to do what I need to do to be a part of this team. So yeah. now you're seeing Erickson strive in this new role and it's working out well for him. Um, I think that this is the biggest three beneficiaries here that yeah. we didn't see last season that we're now seeing <clears throat> this year. And it's like, signings that were not really signings but they happened like i don't know how that that line people say but these are three hidden players that really were never acquired in the summer but were there and now yeah i'm making a big difference with now now that they're performing really really well it's like inter just got new signings onto the onto the team and you know scrinia was always a great defender in Serie A. And now, obviously, since the arrival of Antonio Conte, the switching of uh, the ba- playing in the back three last year, obviously his ability was there, but just playing in that that back three formation just didn't seem to work out for him. Uh, this year, now it's starting to look a lot better. He seems to be more in tune with everyone else uh, around him. Obviously, with with uh, Conte's approach, his strategy, his tactics, everything. It seems like he's in tune with that. And I think we're starting to see the back line of Inter playing a little bit deeper than normal. And I think Skriniar, who doesn't have as much pace, and he likes to sit and and let the attack come to him, and that's when he's at his best, uh, I think it's starting to suit him, and it's starting to complement all the other players, all the, the rest of the center backs, Bastoni and, and uh, DeVry, and also uh, the midfield as well. Uh, as for Erickson, I, I couldn't agree anymore. I, he's playing a little bit deeper than usual, and I think playing alongside Barella and Brozovic, who are more complete midfielders. You know, Brozovic is pretty good defensive. Uh, Pretty good at, at, at defending. Obviously, he's a complete midfielder. He can do everything as well as Barella, who's just a machine. He never stops running. So that kind of gives Erickson the luxury, the license to go forward and play his style of uh, a, a play that he likes to uh, likes to play. And it's it's really working. And he's linking up well with his wingbacks, and he's linking up well with Lukaku and and uh, and Lautaro Martinez the last few weeks. And you know, if this continues, Inter are really, really going to, uh, I, I hate to say this, but they're going to be very difficult to stop. And it's really unfortunate for them that they started off poorly uh, in the Champions League because if they squeezed out of this group stage and now they're catching that form, I mean, who knows how far they could have gone in uh, in Europe. So, um, but last question Inter, now that they're four points ahead of Milan after this game, uh, the question is, is it their title to lose? I I agree it is. And the only thing that concerns me now is that Nicolo Barella picked up an injury near the end of the game yesterday. Now, people say it was cramps. No one's ever going to tell you the truth, I guess, if it's severe, if it's not severe. And then Skriniar looked like he uh, picked up a knock at the end of the game. He was kind of limping. So those are two players I would really watch out for. The good thing is that they're only playing once a week. They'll they'll be playing midweek games mm-hmm. when they're City A in the midweek and not European competition. But there's so much depth in this squad that 
Conte is starting to be more flexible and more dependent upon other players that he wasn't in the first half of the season. And I, I do believe it's interest to take. And I, I don't see Juventus being a runner. There's just so many issues with that team. And if they're to be Porto on the second leg, then yeah. I, I know that people say that I don't think they have the depth that is so strong like in recent years. That's yeah. just me, though. Um, people think that this is a very stronger team compared to last seasons. I don't think so. If they were a better team, they would have fixed the midfield. And until they fix their midfield, it's always going to be a concern. Like that. Well, that that's a whole different topic. But basically, yeah. I, I just think you're right. It's interesting to take now. And they're they're in the same situation like Lazio was last year, where this time Inter won't Juventus won't be saved by another stoppage of a season due to the pandemic. Had that never happened last year, I think Lazio would have won the Scudetto. That's just me. Yeah. Everything was was in line for that team. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate, but that it's life. But <laughs> at, at the end of the day, it's interest to take now. Yeah, I think so too. I think everything is playing out in favor of them, and they. I believe they play Atalanta in two weeks or so. That game is going to say it all. And if they're, if they, if Milan continue to drop points and Roma continue to drop points or or whatever, and Inter win that game, oh man, it's going to be so hard to catch them. So, uh, looking out. For the Inter Scudetto race, let's see if they actually pull it off and end the Juventus streak. Hopefully, they don't. I hope Milan somehow does this uh, remontada and uh, surprise everyone, but we'll see. Uh, Jerry, you touched up on them. Juventus three, Crotone zero. What? You know, you 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 mentioned it already that you know their their play is not as convincing. The three to nothing win against Crotone. Well, are you convinced that this, that they are as good as that result? Um, you know what? Today I wouldn't I wouldn't have blamed Pirlo had they had lost or tied against Crotone because of the the depth on his bench was so pathetic for how many injuries that they have. I think they're missing up to six players in this game. And the only players that he could have called upon, which are very dependent, are just Morata and Bernadeschi. And Bernadeschi is the last player he probably wants to call on because of how shit he is. But beyond just, uh, why, why do I say he's shit? Um, this guy's just a liability. He, he makes poor passes, poor runs, cut out of position. He, he, he makes turnovers. I, I just don't like him that much. My player of the game today was uh, Federico Chiesa. Wow. Guys, you guys thought this guy was a terrible player at Fiorentina. I'll say it again, and I'll say it one more hundred times. Fiorentina fucking ruins players, okay? They destroy players. They they, they take good players, and they, they just take their heart and rip it apart. Gaetano Castrovilli, the poor guy is so garbage right now, okay? He is garbage. Like, the guy has so much talent, and he doesn't look like the, the, the same person who he, which he was in past years. 
and people are going to say, what do you mean? This guy's a breadth of talent. He can, he can play in the midfield. He's creative. Absolutely. If he played in a freaking team that, that enjoyed playing, had an idea, had a philosophy, had an identity and, and knew what they were doing. Like they go from manager to manager they go for short stop gaps and, and try to just do the short term fix, and it's the, it's the recurring problem. I like Prandelli. I think he's a good manager, but he's not a long term manager. He's a I'll I'll put the band aid on for six months, but when the season's done, you need someone who's going to be here long term. Um, Yakini, from Yakini to Montella, from Montella to I think. Pioli was the last real manager they had that actually kept the ship sailing and took really uh, good care of the team when Astoria passed away. So, you know what, that that team is is a, a nightmare for so mm-hmm. many players. And the only thing that looks really encouraging for that team has been the play of Kish, uh, Bidagi. I think that he's been really yeah. good for them this year. I hope Lazio considers trying to sell him because he would fit into Simone Inzaghi's 3-5-2 and, and really take over that left side where Senalulic is aging. But in regards to Juventus, I think that today they did what they had to to beat a Crotone side who just beats themselves. That's how bad they are. Um, I, I, I'm working on a Friday where Lazio plays Crotone at 9 in the morning. After watching today's game, I refuse to take a sick day to watch Crotone versus Lazio. I'd rather just not even waste my time. I'll just watch the replay of that game, but um, that's how bad it, it, it made me feel. Yeah. Not to take a floater day for them, but I, I'm going to... Go ahead, Rui. Yeah, we, we, I, we were talking off air, and uh, you hit the nail right on the head. Crotone were playing Juventus really well for the first half hour or so, but it took like those 10 minutes where they just and I'm quoting you, they just turned off, which is a great way to explain it. It's just, they just had a complete meltdown, and it just seemed so easily for, for Juventus to just go right in uh, into their zone and just put away two quick goals. It's It seems like this is a re- reoccurring thing that happens, uh, that happens to uh, Crotone, and, you know, they're, they are where they are in the standings because of that. But, you know, it looked like a game that, that Juventus were going to squander and and drop points but luckily that they were able to to pull through for them luckily um and get the three points and it was definitely needed given all the injuries as you mentioned and their current form as well that you know they they took a loss to to my boys in the champions league last week so um but yeah really quickly jerry uh the the next leg for the champions league porto and juventus what are your predictions well, I want to touch upon the first leg, and it's kind of concerning because a lot of people kind of outlash me. I'm not going to say names. Uh, this is not what I'm not here to, to bash people, but I'll, I'll sum it up. I called out Andrea Pirlo saying that he managed the game not not well, and it, the ownership should be on him. Now, I had people mention that the player should be count, should be held accountable just as much as the manager. I agree. In a situation like today, it's not on the manager because he doesn't have any options. Now, I will pull up the squad of what he could have called upon against Porto. And here's the thing, okay? You got a lineup on the bench, and let's go. Hold on. My apologies, guys. So you got Ramsey, Morata, Dybala, Bernadeschi, 
Demerol. Those are some names you can call upon. This is a Juventus side who has poured in millions, and I mean millions of dollars. And when you have a team, if you're a manager managing Juventus, you have to re- you have to deliver the results. It doesn't matter who is on your team, and you cannot say that it's the player's responsibility. When it comes to Champions League, you need to have your men prepared. You need to have the right approach to the game. You need to have the right idea of what you're going to be doing in the game. Um, a, a team like Porto, who probably has one fourth of what Juventus has spent, not even. Not there you go. Not even. Rui, you know better than me because yeah. you're the Porto fan. The salary of Porto compared to Juventus, it doesn't matter if you have Primavera squad players, you need to have these guys mentally prepared. Okay. They have to be ready to go, and you have to have the right approach. Now, a play like Bentoncourt, where he screws up in the first minute, it's hard to overcome. Yes, that that is out of Pirlo's. Like it, it, he has, he can't control that. I agree. Yeah. Now, as a manager, you need to get your men ready, and maybe you have to figure out a way to regroup and have them focused. In yeah. in the second half, he could have had a better approach into the second half. If it wasn't for a Chiesa goal where was opportunistic, opportunistic late in the game, Pauli would never have had a goal in the first place. Um. I do agree to a certain point where it is the players' responsibilities. They need yep. to like deliver on the field, but I think more of the ownership goes on the manager. Um, look at Simone Inzaghi. I'll, I'll, I'll provide the difference here. This Earlier this year, we played two Champions League games. We played against Club Bruges with 12 men out, and we played against FC Zenit with eight men out, both on the road. As a visitor, okay? Now, you compare the squad of Lazio to Juventus. If you're missing even three or four players of your starting rotation, uh, if you're Lazio, you're already in trouble. It's known that Lazio's depth is not equally as comparable as Juventus. But here's the thing. You You got guys like Immobile who were missing. Alberto who were missing. Lucas Leva, who was missing. Um, the list keeps going, okay? And you 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 have six players on the bench who are all have to be called up from the Primavera squad. And your 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 only options are like two defenders. Yeah. And you somehow pull off a one-one result in both games. They earn a draw with a depleted squad with very low funds, yet in the Champions League. In the Champions League. And yeah. I understand that the players delivered, but I think that all comes starting from Simone Inzaghi. And having a, a, a very limited squad in a situation like that where he can't resort, resort to, the, to the bench and knowing that there's extra players. And that was due to even injuries in COVID. And never made an excuse. And he had his men with the right idea approach with the right attack, and almost beat Club Bruges with a very depleted squad. So, to me, I, I think that it always comes down to the manager himself. And if the manager doesn't have the right approach, doesn't have his players focused, it, you're in trouble. And that's where it comes down to the second leg. Can 
Pirlo come with the right tactics, the right way of, of, of having his men ready. Now, it all depends who will be available. I think in the second leg, he should have more players ready to go. Yeah, I will go with Porto just because I think this team is just coached much better pers- yeah. personally. I think that's the difference. Yeah, and, um, you know, it, well said. Uh, Sergio Conceição, the coach at Porto, is is a great tactician. He's a disciplinarian. He takes no crap, and it doesn't matter who you are. And I think that 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 determination, that that mentality, that mental toughness is what beat Juventus. I think Porto went into this game knowing who they were playing against and knowing what they had to do, um, and uh, knowing what they had to do. Um, and they succeeded at that because, you know, Sergio Conceição, he, he let everyone know going into this game what they had to do. Keep the high press, um, you know, uh, keep that the, the defense. Porto's defense is one of the best in Portugal. They've been a little shaky lately in the last few games, but when they're at their best, they are a unit, and they know that they're gonna they're going to have to play against a top talented team that with a lot of attackers. You know, Kulusevski, uh, Morata, Cristiano Ronaldo, the Champions League X factor, and they did a fantastic job at doing that. And most importantly, they scored the early goal, and they knew going into this game, getting that first goal was going to be crucial. And the same thing happened in the second half. Within the first minute, they took advantage once again of Juventus's mental lapses. Uh, and they scored two nothing at home in the Champions League in the first leg. Like, what other way could you? What other way would you want it to be? You know. Um, so they did everything, and this I think this comes down to. Uh, I think a lot of this comes down to 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 Pirlo. You know, you have to prepare your men mentally. He should know because he was a player at one time. He knows what it takes to be to to win in the Champions League, and that sometimes these smaller teams that you're expected to be can stun you. This happened to Milan many times when Pirlo was a player. He should know better. And the selection, you know, Bentancourt in the Champions League is a no-no. He's constantly making mistakes. He's always uh, he's always getting yellow cards. He's always turning over the ball. He's a he's a good talent, but there right now is not the time to be using him. Ju- Juventus, their midfield is is their Achilles heel and they need to put in the most reliable players, more experienced players if you have to. So, um, so yeah. And also on in the top, Murata needs to start. Once Murata came on, onto the pitch, the whole game was different for Juventus. They ended up scoring. They looked a lot more threatening because Cristiano Ronaldo cannot be played as a number nine. Even when he is deployed as a number nine, he doesn't play it. He always finds himself coming back or going out wide, and then there's no one in the middle, no one playing that number nine position. You can't have Kulusevski playing the number nine. You can have Murata there, and if he's on the sides, he will score, and he gets himself in good position, in a good position to score. So, um, yeah, I don't know how, how, I don't know what exactly my prediction is going to be. It's always tough because um, I going up against Juventus, and you have Cristiano Ronaldo in the Champions League. It's always, uh, it, it's always tough to uh, to overcome that. But uh, I'm gonna go. You know, I'm going to stick with my boys. I think it's going to be a 1-1 draw in Turin, and Porto are going to go on in advance, and and Juventus are going to disappoint once again in the Champions League knockout stage. But So 
Jerry, next. We're going to talk Hold a on. little bit. I'll, 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 because I know that some people are going to call us out. I know that Morata wasn't unable to start against Porto because he had the flu or he wasn't feeling well. And they had to use Kulitsevsky up front as a number nine beside uh, Ronaldo. But again, the, the amount of talent that is on this team, and I know you're going to play a few players out of position. There's just so much talent that there's no excuse to me. Like, there has to be a way. And, and I got to hear that they didn't fix their midfield. Well, figure it out, man. Like, yeah, I understand yeah. that's not on Pirlo. But when he came in as manager, shouldn't the first idea between him and the sporting director should have been that they need a real midfielder to fix that issue, like to, 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 to be prepared for this season? Yeah. They got Morata instead. Yeah, and they didn't even get another striker knowing that Morata, Morata wasn't doing well. And they they stuck with Morata, Ronaldo, and uh, Dybala, where Dybala is still not even healthy, and his injury has gotten worse again apparently where it's they don't know when his return is so i don't know the, this team we'll see what happens but you know what i don't feel bad for them it's nice to see juventus crumble <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump on to your boys they picked up a win against sampdoria Luis Alberto with the game winner early on. And Jerry, your boys have been on a tier in 2021, winning seven, drawing once, and losing to Inter, who are in first place. But, you know, scratch that Inter game. You guys are looking really, really good. And I have to ask you this. Well, you can also break down the game today, but what is the big... What what has changed at Lazio for them to be playing as well as they are now, seems like they're getting that form from last year compared to where they were uh, in the beginning of the season. Simone Inzaghi, and that's that's the difference. They call him, I hear a lot of people call him, he's the new super super coach of Italy, like he's like the up and coming of being like the next ultimate Italian coach. Like I was saying earlier, Inzaghi comes with the game plan every game. He has his men mentally prepared um I, re- I remember when they had the derby against roma he had mentioned that that he, he saw the fight the, the the spark in their eye in their eyes the night before that they were ready for the game they were motivated motivated they were mentally prepared and that that's what inzaghi does and given credit with the the, the depth that he has of the, of the top seven eight teams at the top of the table Lazio has the weakest depth, but he figures a way to to get them in and play a specific role, their position that has been able to deliver wins. Um, Immobile continues to inspire as a, as a captain. I think that he's been a, a great captain. He probably will take the armband for the foreseeable future. I always thought that Immobile would be a good captain, but the more as the season progresses... I would shift that armband to Milinkovic-Savic more than having Immobile holding the armband. I know that he represents a lot for this team. Um, his attitude is great, uh, always wanting to score, to, to deliver. Um, here's the thing. I think in Joe from Forza Napoli podcast has taught me this really well, and we've discussed this over, and, and I'll give him credit. He always mentioned to me that a striker should never have the armband because 
their responsibility is to score. They don't need more pressure than what they already have in a game. Now, when you're a goal scorer, you think more of what is added on to you now. You have to be leading. A, 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 by example, you need to be yeah. that role model. You, there's a lot that weighs on you, and the pressure is significant for a striker. Giving credit to Immobile, he has scored 14 goals in Serie A, additionally five goals in the Champions League. And he has really stepped up this year and has really taken that role. I do believe that had he not been wearing the armband, his role as a striker would probably be more easier on him and his job would be much more... He would deliver more than what he has already. That's just how I see it. Um, With Sergei Malinkovic-Savage, he is not expected to, to be that goal scorer. And he has really matured as a player since two years ago where I remember him kicking someone, a player in the butt against Kievo. <laughs> and now he has really stri- strived to become a, a leader. Now, he probably won't be the captain, but has shown to be a good vice captain on this team. I, I just love his attitude, his willingness to, to play hard every game. And no one plays more minutes than, than either him yeah. or Cherby on this team. Um, I would probably say that the most fitted, the most fit player on this team who can go a whole 90 minutes plus is Sergei Malinkovic-Savage. No. Um, I've never seen a guy who who has the form like he does, the physique where he's able to play on a consistent basis on a short rest, like very short rest as well. Um, I love his attitude. I like the fact that last year when they qualified for Champions League, he went on the record saying that he had never wanted to leave Lazio how this team was like the place where he wants to be. His heart has always been here. And when I hear comments like that, it really inspires me for a player to embrace that armband as well. Um, Aside from that, what has really striven, what has really helped Lazio get back in the thick of the race is that they have beaten the teams that they need to beat, which they weren't doing in the early part of the season. They beat Fiorentina, um, just off the record, off the top of my head, um, I don't remember who else they have beaten. In they beat Cagliari. Um, those are just some notable teams, but they're 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 winning the games that they have to. They're scoring goals and they're getting goals from a lot of other players. Yeah. Um, they're getting it from Luis Alberto, Sergey Malinkovic-Savic, uh, even Vidat Mariki scored one. He should have scored one on Saturday. Uh, I'm done ripping on him. It, it's not gonna. It's not gonna really help my cause. I, I know that he should have scored uh, late in the game. It was uh, gifted to him, but it, it happens. Um, it is what it is. He, me ripping on him is not gonna change anything. But um, it, it's been a collective effort. And what's been most surprising is that they've been able to win games without Luis Felipe in the back end, who who has been out with an injury, and now recently just Stefan Radu as well. And you put Patrick in the back end with Musacchio and Acherby. And I, I'm not a fan of Patrick right now. I think that he's the odd man out and it should be Wesley Hoot. That should be slotting in come Tuesday against Bayern Munich. But Musacchio <laughs> has been a great signing. He has been a he has shown some really encouraging signs, uh stability in the back end, making good decisions timely challenges and, and the thing the big the biggest thing is that he's providing experience 
Is he related to the same uh, Matteo Musacchio that was on Milan? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Your boy. Is, this is a. Uh, it, it's a, a, a definitely a revelation that uh, Lazio have over there. It seems like uh, players that leave Milan that go to Lazio tend to do much better. Uh, Cherby is is an excellent example, and now Matteo Musacchio. Um, but yeah, that's. Um, you know that it's really great to see what Lazio's been able to do. I, I know in the beginning of the season they they were beat up with COVID, they were beat up with injuries, they were also out of form, and you know you hit the nail right on the head. And I think every team that's competing for top four, and even teams that are competing in the um, for the title race, winning against the smaller teams, the teams that you should beat, the teams that you need to beat, and then. When it comes to the bigger matches, the more competitive matches against, you know, the Inters, the uh, the Milans, the Napolis, the uh, the Juventus, that's when you know you can just duke it out, settle for draw, and hopefully you can get a win or whatever it is. But those little games against the bottom and mid-table clubs, that is what pushes teams into the Champions League, into top four, and it's also the foundation of winning a championship. So. Uh, really well said, Jerry. And, you know, Lazio are a good team on paper. They have a great coach. And uh, I'm not sure if you just mentioned it, but you, we talked about this over uh, off the record as well. I have to agree. Simeon, um, uh, Simone Inzaghi is the best coach in Serie A and probably uh, the most underrated coach in the world right now. Um, Jerry, one more team that's one more Italian team that's playing in the Champions League this week. Um, actually, mentioning the the Champions League, a quick prediction: Lazio and Bayern. They play tomorrow. I know um, most people are not going to have the time to to watch this or, or listen to this episode before the game. But your quick prediction on on uh, Bayern and Lazio? I'll I'll keep it simple and short. It, it all depends on how Lazio's back end really step up. Uh, I'm not worried about Musaki or Cherby. I'm a little more concerned if Patrick starts. If Hoot starts, I'm more confident. I know that a lot of people have shit on him this year. Yeah, he's made some ill-advised challenges. But I think his overall game has been improved compared to the first time he was with the club. Um, This is a guy who stepped up again when we were in crisis earlier in the year in the Champions League. I'm going to go 2-2 with Lazio. And I wouldn't be surprised either. If they did win this game tomorrow because of the form they're going into this game. Yep. I'm a big believer that how you play in the league heading into the Champions League does make a big difference. A lot of people think that when you go to the Champions League, it doesn't matter what you do in the league. I, I guess you can see vice versa. It's a clean slate going into yep. that game. But for me, you want to go confident and a team like Lazio strives off confidence and I expect him to to put a, a hard fought effort that's all I ask for yeah I'm gonna go two to one Lazio on this one given the fact that Lazio have been in good form as you mentioned uh they seem to be in tune with each other and uh, Simone Inzaghi really has all of his troops rounded up and they're all just playing phenomenal. Bayern, on the other hand, have dropped their last two games in the league, uh, losing to Eintracht Frankfurt this past weekend, two to one. They have a lot of injuries. They're out of form. Their defense, their defense is really, really bad this year. Hansi Flick did a phenomenal job correcting it last season when he took over midway or last um, last November or November of 2019. 
And now they seem to have lost that big time, and they're very, very vulnerable on the counterattack. And this is where Lazio can be very, very threatening against them. And Lazio are at home. They're doing well. Bayern, not so well. So I'm going Lazio 2-1. to one. And the last uh, team that we're going to cover, uh, Atalanta, they're also in the Champions League playing against Real Madrid this week. They demolished Napoli 4-2. to two. What a what a bizarre game this was. 0-0 going into halftime and then six goals into in the second half. Four from Atalanta, two uh, from Napoli. Your opinions, your takes on this game, Jerry. And how much how much do you hate Gasparini after this game? Oh fuck, Gasparini! I forgot about him actually when you mentioned four two <laughs> Atalanta. But um, you know what? There's no reason for him to freak out and lose his mind over the fact that the referee didn't have to go to the VAR. The referee, I mean, the, the announcer said it perfect. If if the upstairs who's in charge of VAR sees that the play is conclusive and that there's nothing wrong. Why do you need to stop the game when it's when it's a clear it's it's clear that there was no foul on the play. That I don't remember who yep. was tripped on the play, but from what I remember, it was a good call and it was good that the referee didn't stop the play. At the end of the day, they ended up winning 4-2 and all that bickering and bitching didn't have to be done by Gasparini. I think this guy's a miserable fuck, first off. Miserable piece <laughs> of shit. Um, he, he's like an 80-year-old grandfather where he, he has to bicker about every little thing. Why did you put your clothes on the floor? Why does the toilet still have a stain? And why does this? Just for the sake of just complaining. Um, Gasparini is a whiny little bitch, and that's how I'm going to explain him. I don't like him. Uh, I think that his knowledge is great for the game. I think that he's a very smart manager, but it's his his attitude, his personality. Yeah, his personality just... I, I honestly want Juventus to win the Coppa Italia for how much I hate him, okay? That's how bad yeah. I've gone to Juventus now where I, I do hope they win that one trophy because you, you how do you cheer for a yeah. guy like Gasparini? If that guy won... Think about it. He he mocked Milan by dancing. Um, he disrespected Lazio because they had cheered after they had won. And then his team does the same thing a he week later. He disrespected Napoli fans as well, if I'm not mistaken. Probably. Fucking who knows who he hasn't disrespected, to be honest. But I, I think we've given him too much time already. But um, to break down Napoli's game, it's Napoli beating Napoli. That's how I saw it yesterday, yep. and and I explained this to Joe offline, and he even sent out a tweet that Napoli's mistakes are are what cost him the game. Um, you see Bakayoko, I don't know who he's passing the ball to, yep. a, a freaking bonehead move, poor pass to nobody, goes right to an Atalanta player. You set up Luis Muriel, you give him all that space down the wing, and he rifles it. Um, Di Lorenzo, poor defending. I think it was on the second goal where he didn't track his guy. Um, the fourth goal, you know what? I know the substitution was made at the wrong time, but another good point that Joseph from Fortunopoli Podcast provided, even if the change wasn't made, how the play had been set up and the redirection 
of, of the ball ricocheting off one player to another and then into the back of the goal, it, it was kind of hard to defend. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was the first goal? The first goal was Maximovic, where I don't know why he drops off and lets Mario Rui take on Duvan Zapata. That is a mismatch. Duvan Zapata versus Mario Rui? Are you kidding me? Rui is like half the size of him. He's gonna get he got eaten alive. Maximovic is a very tall player. I think what he's six, six foot five, I would yeah, say. He's, he's huge. He's yep. huge, right? Six foot seven around there. Guy of his of his stature and, and his height and, and ability to like defend, he should be taking him. And I don't know why, but he kind of like doesn't pick up his man and you see him drift off away from Zapata, which really hurt him. Yeah. I did think that Napoli did have a chance to win this game. Um, when they made it 3-2, it was kind of, um, there was hope. I think it was what? It became 2-1, then 3-1, then 3-2, then 4-2. So two chances, I thought, that they came back in this game, and there was hope that there was ability to come back in. It didn't happen. I would take the the encouraging point is the play of Matteo Politano. My God, this guy has, that has been a very good, signing by Napoli. I I thought he was going to exit the game in the first 20 minutes. Um, had he not finished the game, I think this game could have gone worse because he is the last player that can play on the right wing. Uh, you got Lozano, who is out right now, and I don't know who the third option is that can play on the right wing. I know that they're pretty thin down there, on that up there, but um, you got him... There's just so many injuries one after another, and to see another player leave, Ossiman left at the end of the game. It's good, good to hear that he's doing well and he is going back to Napoli, what I was reading today, which is really encouraging. Um, his team can't fight off the injury bug. Hopefully things get better for them. They got Granada on Thursday, which if I'm Napoli, you probably just want to lose it. So you're not having to yep. be forced to play every week, but in no no team wants to lose. So I think that Napoli will go all out trying to salvage anything they can in the Europa League as well. But you know what, Palatano has looked really good this year, and that has one of the encouraging signs from that game of his play. Very well said, Jerry. As usual, yeah. So um, Napoli, it seems just. You know their attack is really good. They have they have a lot of talented players now. Oshiman is back. Uh, he's trying to find his groove and find his uh, his form that he had in the beginning of the season. Even though he didn't have as many goals statistically, but his presence was definitely felt. Uh, you know, key players like Mertens and and so many other players that have been injured and and Koulibaly being out, Costas Manolas being out. These are players that are are reliable, and sure, you got a good result without these key players against Juventus, but look at all the other results that they had um, in recent weeks and even after. Uh, it's not enough. It's not good, and a lot of this is just these mental lapses that Napoli have been um have been going through in these games and it's their mistakes. Joe, uh, Joe Fischetti really hit the nail on the head. These mistakes are what's killing them. And they remind me a bit of Milan from a couple of years ago. And, and last year before Ibrahimovic and, and Kier arrived, it's these simple mistakes that costed points and Napoli are going through that patch and that needs to change. So very well said, Jerry. And yeah, 
I think that's about it. And we're going to wrap this up. And any last words? Um, fuck Atalanta. I do hope they advance out of the uh, group <laughs> round of 16. I want every Italian team to advance out of this other European competition because it benefits Lazio. Because I want to see every team having to play more and just get more depleted. Um, as a, <laughs> Other than that, yeah, freaking Forza Lazio tomorrow. Hopefully, I I. I my expectations are very low, and so I'm going to go into this game very, not calm, but won't be bitter knowing if we lost. So it is what it is, and uh, fuck Gasparini. Well, thank you all for tuning in, <laughs> and uh, thank you uh, thank you all for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Make sure to follow the show at Pod on Twitter. And Jerry, I'm not even sure. Are you guys on Instagram as well, or no? Fuck, I hate Instagram, man. <laughs> Instagram is like fake life, where people just put happy pictures of happy times, but no one ever puts a, a bad picture of bad times. It's a fake life, man. I hate Instagram. Get that shit out of here. But no, we don't have Instagram. <laughs> so no Instagram, but make sure to follow uh, the Calcio Connection on Calcio Con Pod on Twitter. Thank you, Jerry, and thank you, Alex for having me on, filling in for the great Alex Dono. Hopefully I did a good enough job and everyone enjoyed the show as much as I did. So thank you all, and that's it for now. Ciao.